on the other front, uh, Canada, the other side of North America, Canada is doing great, my friend. Canada is doing great. Welcome to season two of Trails to the Border podcast, a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of a border come together to talk about business, travel, and their love of nature. From Canada is James Anderson, and I'm Dan Moore from the United States. Hey, James. Hey, Dan. It's been a while. Dude, too long. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm hanging in there. I've been on the road for two weeks. Busy man, busy man. How's the, uh, is someone started yet, or are you guys uh, just, just gearing up for it? No, I'm, I'm in Italy. I've been in Italy for two weeks, and then... But traveling mostly on my own, doing some work for a client and also interspersing some fun experiences here, which is part of my work, which is great. And then starting tomorrow is the pre-summit adventure for the Mm -hmm. uh, Adventure Travel World Summit. And then the summit itself doesn't start until next Monday. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, what's going on in Canada? What's going on in British Columbia? Well, I actually just returned from America. I was in Las Vegas um, for a conference as well uh, called Arrival. Hmm. It bills itself as an um, in-destination conference for activity providers and attractions. So uh, we were down there representing Forged, and we met all kinds of interesting people. The well-attended conference is about... Uh, 1,100 delegates there from mostly mostly the U.S., but uh, lots of Canadians as well, and some some Europeans and Australasia. It was uh, it was great, really fun, different uh, different type of conference. What was your objective in going to the conference? Uh, I, it's always I think interesting to see just meet people. I hate the term you know just working the network, but doing the uh, you know networking thing, talking to other people. And seeing sort of what, how they've grown their businesses, uh, you know, I often find we're in a little bit of a bubble in in Canada, and I just want to make sure we're not being complacent uh, and we're uh, taking opportunities as they come. Oftentimes, uh, opportunities get like a little more fleshed out earlier in the United States than they do in Canada. So, with the exception of you know some things like axe throwing, where we're way ahead of the curve. But I like to see what people are up to, you know, and uh, and how the industry's going. There was also some really good talks uh, from. Uh, there's like huge consolidation happening right now in the uh, software space of like all these booking providers uh, getting in between all of the experiences of their customers, as well as all the OTAs, uh, Expedia and Viator being the the two largest. But Google's just launching a new one called Tripbird. Um, which is interesting, and um, and and get your guide and and all of these other sort of uh, new income um, startups. So yeah, it's an interesting space to watch. Okay, let's dive into that point about consolidation. Uh, how, as an activity provider yourself, what exactly is that going to mean for you? I mean, do you generally approach something like that as long as the company is great and offers you a great service? You don't care if they're giant or not, or do you tend to be a little wary when uh, a, a, a company you're working with all of a sudden gets gobbled up by somebody else? Great question. So, I uh, so the 
in this space, the software and booking providers are very closely linked to the OTAs, which really muddies the waters. So currently I use a company called Fair Harbor to uh, manage my bookings and they are, you know, they're a big software provider. They're the second largest in the space. Other ones in the space are uh, Zola, Checkfront, uh, uh, Peak Pro, uh, ResD, Zowie, and there's all kinds of other, other uh, providers out there as well. Um, but basically this year, um, Viator, who is one of the largest, if not the largest, OTA, they own TripAdvisor, they purchased a smaller booking platform called Boken. And during the keynote presentation, or I shouldn't call it a keynote, it was a bit of a one-on-one uh, -on -one sort of uh, interview uh, on stage at this conference. Uh, they had the CEO of uh, Viator Experiences up there, and he basically freely admitted that they do want to promote tours that run on Boken uh, through Viator, which is very interesting. Earlier this year as well, Booking.com hmm. purchased Fair Harbor. So right now, uh, since I'm with Fair Harbor, I have this like possibility that my property will rank higher on Booking.com than it will on uh, Viator for TripAdvisor Experiences. TripAdvisor Experiences is much larger of an affiliate for me. Booking.com hasn't even launched in Canada yet. Uh, and then we saw this presentation from Google saying they're going to be offering hmm. uh, and uh, uh, purchase options and software options as well right through their homepage. And we don't know yet who that will be integrated with. But um, th it brings up a really interesting problem because as I was looking around this conference, there's all these activity providers in there. And these companies, uh, such as the all the OTAs, have managed to create, uh, in my opinion, a little bit of friction in the marketplace by putting themselves in front of our customers. And you can definitely argue that they create value, they bring all the listings together, they, they provide reviews and photos and things like that, and they make it easier for travelers to book everything all at once. However, they're taking between 15 to 40% of the booking price, and it's the gross booking price, not the net profit on that. So, so, you know, if you look at 30%, just on average, 30% of a gross price is an enormous amount of the profit right there that these operators are gobbling, are, are, are able to take. So it, it's a very aggressive business model. And it reminds me of a movie I once saw called Goodfellas, where I saw a very similar business practice. So I'm... I, I have a love hate with the uh, with the uh, uh, OTAs because I really I we do use them, but uh, you you do give up a, a ton of your revenue to them, and in my opinion, for for questionable questionable value. <laughs> right, and when things get down to being consolidated, all of a sudden you. I mean, there's an argument to be made that are they really going to have either the customer or the supplier's best interests in mind if they're the only game in town? So, so I think absolutely, that can be where it gets, yeah. It's it gets um, you know at this this conference and and just like at the I'm sure you're going to see uh, during the ACCA conference, the software providers definitely have an enormous budget for things like sponsoring conferences and throwing parties um, and these. Budgets are all built on this 30% that's coming from all of these activity providers who are doing a lot of the of the work here. So um, yeah, it's a 
it's a very interesting dynamic right now. Um, and one, you know, the, the activity space is definitely ripe for someone to come in and, and figure out a way to consolidate these fragmented experiences and booking options. Currently, less than, you know, less than 20% of tours in the world are bookable online, for example. So, you know, these software providers in that respect you provide a valuable resource by saying like, look, we'll give you online booking and a calendar feature and ticketing and all of this customer relationship management software. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been coming at a cost. Yeah, it's a very confusing space right now. Um, like you were saying with all the different booking platforms, I think we are currently listed on seven independent uh, reservation platforms. Um, but I rely on Fair Harbor to tie in the back end so that we don't have to do that process manually of, uh, of managing the bookings. They're able to flow through an API to the back end. Um, and again, we're sort of beholden to the software provider to open up those APIs so that we can get new marketplaces online. Um, and with the purchase of, uh, from booking.com of Fair Harbor, I'm not sure how likely that is that they're gonna keep supporting all of these other services in the future or whether they're just going to say, you know, we're ceasing development on any new ones because booking.com provides such a great value for you. Yeah. I mean, all those things are complicated and I'm not sure what it's like in Canada, but the U S situation is that, uh, in terms of where there's a monopoly or monopolistic behavior by companies, the, the level of scrutiny is not very high and they're only looking at very specific aspects of customer, uh, impact. And there are many other impacts to industries, to economies, to um, just general corporate power that aren't being taken into consideration that, um, again, for our own industries, if our, if our consumer is having terrible experiences or being dissuaded from doing what we offer, we're all going to suffer in the long run. So it's important for us to pay attention to this. You have been listening to Trails to the Border podcast, a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of the border talk about travel, business, and their love of nature. From Canada is James Anderson, and I'm Dan Moore from the United States. If you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. So next week, I'm going to be at the Adventure Travel World Summit, which is a conference hosted by the Adventure Travel Trade Association. And as we've noted on this podcast before, where you and I became friends and colleagues and decided that this would be a a great opportunity for us to continue our dialogue through this podcast. And I'd love to, unfortunately, you're not able to make it here this year, but I'd love to just get a little bit of your insight. Um, I'd, I'd like to 
interview some folks and put them on the air uh, for the next episode or, uh, or for this episode once we once I get it edited. And so what are some things that you think I should be asking folks about? What, um, what trends do you want me to get some uh, input on? Uh, anything you want, want me to, to convey for, for you or what, what's your advice? Well, as we've known for quite some time, the rise of the middle-class Asian, uh, specifically Chinese traveler, uh, is something we've been talking about for a long time, and I'd just love to know uh, what, what that's looking like um, from the ACTA's point of view right now. And that, that's a segment that has been on the rise for so long. In Canada right now, we've got the year of the Chinese traveler, I think. It's, it's a partnership between Chinese airline and uh, the Canadian Destination Canada, our um, tourism marketing arm of the, of the government. So there's a lot going on there, and I'd just love to see how that's, how that's progressing in the space and what, um, what people are doing to, to try and uh, attract and, and uh, run experiences that really, that, that really appeal to that segment as well. Excellent. Well, um, I'm going to cut it off now, so we'll have some space to fill in some of those comments, and then maybe we can catch up after you hear what people have to say and we can do some commentary on that fantastic i'm looking forward to it yeah it'll be kind of like you're here but you're not oh man wish i was <laughs> fomo fomo for sure i'll be down in uh new orleans and austin next week oh that sounds great what's Let going on down there i'm going to a louisiana state university football game i've never been to an uh, a college game before i'm pretty excited Wow, that's going to be a very interesting culture ex- cultural experience for you, James. <laughs> it's homecoming too. It's oh, be wow. Well, I will tell you, even though I love traveling, I love the people that I work with, etc. Being gone a few weeks and missing that fresh Pacific Northwest air and and the changing of the seasons, there's definitely a lot of nostalgia and homesickness that I feel. So it's great being able to connect with you and and just hear your voice. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Dan, for being the one who has to travel to Italy <laughs> to do the podcast. You know, thank you for taking on that hardship. Wow. Sounds good. Well, I'll catch up with you soon and we can uh, follow up on, on what I learned. All right. See you, buddy. Send my best to everyone at the summit. Have a good one. Yeah. Take care. Bye. You have been listening to Trails to the Border. Well, hello, podcast listeners. This is Dan. I wanted to set up this next section for you so you can understand what we're trying to do here at Trails to the Border. I recently attended the Adventure Travel World Summit, which took place in Montecatini Terme in Tuscany, Italy. At the summit, I got a chance to meet up with a lot of old friends, meet some new people, but more importantly, get inspired and learn about what's going on in the adventure travel and the general tourism industry. At the end of the summit, I interviewed a handful of people, a few of which I'd like to showcase here on this episode of Trails to the Border. First up is my longtime friend, Nori Quintos. Nori is an editor-at-large at National Geographic, and she also runs her own communications consulting company. I've learned from her tremendously over the years, 
and I'm excited that I get a chance to feature her here on this podcast. Okay, so I'm here at the Adventure Travel Summit with Nori Quintos from Washington, D.C., United States of America. Uh, Nori, tell me a bit about uh, how many Adventure Travel Summits have you been to? Hi, Dan. Um, how are you? This is my eighth summit. Oh, my God. That's a lot. I know. I'm it's almost old. as many as me. Um, so as you have approached this summit, we're now at the very end. Uh, what were some of your objectives going in? What were you hoping to learn about? What did you um, think that you're going to be able to understand by the end better? Well, seeing as it's my eighth summit, I know a ton of people, and so half of what I wanted to do is go hang out with my friends, uh-huh. obviously, but um, also make new ones. Um, you know, the, the adventure travel industry has changed and evolved, and uh, one needs to keep up with what's going on. So it was also meeting new people. I consciously wanted to, to meet and make new connections and to hear what was going on. Now that we're at the end, what what actually happened this week? I did what I accomplished. I spent half the time with my friends and half the time meeting new people. So it was was quite perfect. Any eye-opening enlightenment that happened that uh, you're going home like, oh, that's really important. I've got to start thinking more about that or investing more in that direction or just I'm happy I know that now. You know, I think Shannon's speech was a clarion call. Um, I think uh, those of us who have been watching the industry evolve over time um, have felt slightly uneasy. Shannon, we're talking about Shannon Stoll, the CEO of ATTA. Um, He made a clarion call for um, responsibility in our industry and that we can't just always be patting ourselves on the back for the good things we have done. And we have done some really um, great things, but there are problems and there are big problems that we uh, not only should take a part in in solving but probably also take some responsibility for um, for perhaps unleashing problems such as over tourism um, our role in climate change our role in um, plastics uh, you know overuse of plastics and um, yeah, things like that and what do you think your role is going to be going forward if you you hear that speech you're inspired you're proud of uh, not to put words in your mouth, but uh, what I'm hearing is that you are proud of our industry being a- willing to take responsibility for that. Uh, what are you going to do personally, or what are you inspired to do, I should say, not to hold you accountable, but what, what are you inspired to do going forward? Well, I, I wear several hats, but in my hat as a journalist, I, I think um, there is a role for media to play, um, not so much as, as just covering the industry, and we tend to Um, fall back on things that get a lot of uh, readership and viewership. Um, Listicles are very popular in in our industry for for various reasons, but they don't address some of the the deeper issues. Bucket lists as well. Um, You know, we are definitely as an an industry very um, overuse on bucket lists, and that's not really... uh, that's not really a good thing. So longer, slower travel, I think is something that, that we should be, you know, as media looking into more, spending the time to, to tell the stories in, in the time that it needs. That's awesome. Thanks so much for the time. Happy to see you again. Great to see you, Dan. See you next year. Next up is Deirdre Campbell. Deirdre is the managing director of BD Tartan, She's a communications professional. I've known Deirdre for many years, 
had the privilege to learn from her, be inspired by her, and now I get a chance to interview her on Trails to the Border podcast. Okay, so we're last day of the summit, um, here with my longtime friend Deirdre Campbell, um, and I'd like to interview you a bit about your impressions of the summit, what you were hoping going in, what you learned um, after the, all the sessions and your interactions with people, and what are you inspired to go home, to take on, to accomplish. So why don't we start first with just what you do, where you live, and how many of the adventure travel summits you've been to. Great. Um, So what I do is I do marketing and public relations and for a variety of clients. And for the summit, I was actually there representing Indigenous Tourism Canada as well as Jordan. So I had uh, two two purposes in mind. But uh, and so I'm from Victoria, British Columbia, but I actually represent across Canada as well. I think going into the summit, my hope was, again, when you bring together all those like-minded people that are very in, in, you know, influenced from sustainable, responsible tourism and adventure, I was, again, just wanting to get together and get in, you know, sort of inspired with what was happening globally. I think we're up against a lot of negative news lately, and I always find that when I go to the ATT events, there's a lot of positive, we're making a difference, hopefully, stories that come together and really supporting rural communities, which is really an important part of my work, especially with Indigenous tourism, but also if you think about Jordan as well. Excellent. Uh, In general, have you noticed um, trends in the last 10 years, say, in the adventure community? Uh, What are some of the, where, where is the industry going from your perception, and is it matching with what you're hoping it as an industry is taking on? Absolutely. My first summit was Scotland, and I think over the last... What year was that? Good good point, 2010. Okay. I want to say 2010. Yep. And uh, it, was, uh, it was right after the Olympics, which for me was a highlight. I actually represented Northern Canada at the Olympics. And I went there, and I did, I did leave that s- summit thinking that there... I was definitely with thought leaders in the industry. At that time, we were thinking of adventure as, as uh, an emerging... Um, part of the industry and that there was just so many unexplored regions we can get into. Flash forward now, which eight years later, we're now faced with overtourism. We're faced with people discovering some amazing places and then coming in droves without any proper, uh, you know, checks and balances in place to protect these areas and ensure that they're not overloved. And so I think one of the most inspiring moments for me uh, was when Shannon Stowell spoke at the end of it and he had a different message he's usually very you know rah rah look at us aren't we amazing we're doing some fantastic things but he also had that cautionary um, note in his, his speech about the fact that we're part of the problem you know we're out there promoting these amazing experiences yet what are we doing to ensure that before we promote a destination or a region or a community are they actually ready for the number of people that could possibly come they get inspired because we're such good storytellers so it's a there's a tension in our industry right now where we have a bigger responsibility more than ever to protect the places that we're promoting and ensuring that tourism is for good not for bad excellent switching gears slightly but not really because this is an important 
issue, in my opinion, or an important opportunity. Let's bring it back to your, your home country of Canada and help. Uh, as you may know, this podcast is co-hosted with, with uh, my colleague, James Anderson, who you know quite well. I think he's one of your, or you are one of his mentors. Um, and as he said in a previous podcast, not naming names, though, <laughs> <laughs> he cited you as somebody who's taught him a lot. Sorry, James, I'm outing, I'm outing her. Um, so half of our uh, focus is on this nation on the other side of my border and one that I care about a lot. So I'd love just some insight from on the adventure tourism side and then, of course, your expertise in indigenous tourism, which there's overlap between these two sectors, and they're quite important allies, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we identified um, in my role working with Destination Canada but also being a past chair of Tourism Victoria, um, we identified quite a few years ago that we were a bit of an embarrassment of riches. We sort of were taking for granted what we had. We're such a big country, you know, low population, tourism, we need tourism, but uh, more and more we're hearing, even in Canada, destinations that were becoming overrun and, and not being properly managed. So last year, to give you um, an idea of what we've been trying to do, is we launched the very first Impact Tourism mm. Conference on Tourism Sustainability. So this is my invitation to you and James to come and be um, media at that conference because it was a very important one. We actually got quite a lot of pushback when we announced that we were doing it with Tourism Victoria and a number of other companies that mm. are very involved in sustainability. The industry wasn't quite sure why we were doing it. They felt they were already talking about it. They felt that this was maybe overlap. But we said, no, we're actually broadening the invitation to people outside of the tourism industry, but have a say in how tourism grows. So transportation, mm. urban planners, uh, uh, politicians, mayors, uh, people that set policy. We brought Elizabeth Becker, who's coming again this year, to talk about why she was inspired to write over books so many years ago. We, Banff Lake Louise came and talked about what's happening mm -hmm. in that, you know, incredible um, national park in the summer where disbursement was talked a lot about. Keith Henry co-hosted mm. because indigenous is, tourism is such an important part about inclusiveness, inclusivity. Mm. We talked about not only being sustainable but being resilient and being restorative. So I'm hoping that through this conference that uh, is gained quite a lot of exposure last year, that that conversation is happening across Canada and uh, adventure travel is certainly a, a key um, industry for us in the in tourism, a niche for Canada for sure, but uh, we're trying to educate as many people as possible that it needs to be done um, with the right checks and balances in place, um, honoring the words that Shannon gave us that we have a big responsibility if, we're, if we want to develop it more. And we have, as we heard, um, we've heard in the past with our indigenous uh, tourism partners coming to ATTA, there's a, there, there's a lot at stake for them as well in these rural communities. It's incredible. Finally, you are an entrepreneur. You are, I look to you, I've, I've looked to you for advice over the years. You've inspired me. You're starting of businesses and you're helping of many entrepreneurs, including myself, to give a little bit of wisdom to those in our podcast that are listening to this because they're entrepreneurs and they like to learn from folks like yourself. Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me, and ATTA certainly filled that role, was surround yourself with people who inspire you and also surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you. Mm. You want them to push you. If they see you doing something that they think isn't right, 
you know, you want them to be the ones that kind of get you to take it to the next level, take you more responsibility, hold you accountable to what you're doing. Um, it's, I'm only where I am today because of the people that I've surrounded myself and the friends that have supported me and giving me advice as I like to give to others. And uh, so pass it on. We're an incredibly lucky group being in this adventure travel industry because it's, I feel it's very non-competitive. I feel it's collaborative. I feel we come together, we support each other. That's not that usual in other industries. Mm -hmm. So let's not um, take that for granted. Right. And let's support each other knowing that the work that we do and, and there's a concern that tourism, if it's not managed, it could become the next extractive industry. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to be that. We don't want to be in the same breath as forestry and mining. And we want to be known as something that actually brings positive economic development and uh, lifts people up and across Canada in rural communities. So uh, I, as a, if you're an entrepreneur, I think this is a place you want to be. But surround yourself with people that will, uh, like-minded people that share your values. Excellent. Thanks so much. Very inspiring and really appreciate all you do. Thank you. Finally, since the two interviews that I featured on Trails to the Border this week referenced a speech delivered by Shannon Stoll, the CEO of the Adventure Travel Trade Association, I wanted an opportunity to get him on the phone and talk with him directly about what he intended in his speech. What is, he, what is his vision for the adventure travel and the tourism industry overall? I've known Shannon since 2008 when I met him on a boat in the rough seas of off of the coast of Norway, and we've been good friends ever since then. Shannon has a great ability to not only be incredibly thoughtful, very diplomatic, but unafraid. Unafraid to say what needs to be said in a way that people are going to hear it and take action. It's a privilege to have Shannon on the podcast closing out this week's episode. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Just went to a cool event here in Seattle. Nice. Celebrating Radicchio. Cool. Do you know what Radicchio is? It's a lettuce. God, you're good. <laughs> you are like, you're a very well-educated man. Oh, well, thank you. Anyway, well, first of all, um, uh, miss you. Um, it was great seeing you briefly in Italy. Uh, Likewise. And a great event. I think you all must feel pretty awesome because I think it was resoundingly people were pretty psyched about the event. So Thank congratulations you. to that. Thanks so much. So what I was hoping to just get a few of your words, uh, I've been I've interviewed a couple folks uh, right at the tail end of the Adventure Travel World Summit in Montecatini Terme, Italy. And I was not surprised, but I was excited to learn that both people unprovoked brought up your f closing speech at the summit as basically both 
the lighthouse and guidance that we need in the industry and also just the, the fire and the inspiration that those of us who work in this realm uh, crave. And so I was hoping just to get a little bit of your perspective that I can then share out with the podcast listeners about uh, basically what your vision is, what, what, what was your perception that you shared with people and blew people's minds, and then some advice to those folks who are at the ground level, the entrepreneurs, the business owners, and just how they can take that message and, and do good stuff with it. So that's a, about you know a 45-minute dissertation that maybe you can sum up in a few seconds. Um, that's really gratifying and, and humbling to hear too, Dan, that people really enjoyed that message. I, I was a little nervous about it because um, it wasn't all patting ourselves on the back, but because I love this industry and it comes from that place, it was, I think, I hope, uh, well-received by, by most people. Mm-hmm. I think really it's, it's boiling down to quality versus quantity. That's really what the conversation is around. And I've been reading uh, Yvonne Chouinard's book, Let My People Go Surfing, and was oh, just yeah. kind of drinking in his philosophies on, on business and found that you know it aligns, uh, what we believe aligns so well with what he espouses. And it just sort of felt like um, it was time to start hitting that a little bit more, mm-hmm. hitting that a little bit, bit more straight away. So one of the things that I talked about was how for years we've marketed to the customers in sort of a travel is a right, not a privilege. You deserve this spa vacation. You deserve to take this cruise, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that attitude has transferred into a lot of customers where they sort of feel like if they're the tourist with the, the money that whatever they want to do is their right. And it's so backward because we're visiting other people's homes, living rooms, sacred places, their nature spaces. And our attitude as a traveler should be one of gratefulness and that we're privileged to be there. And that that really changes the way that people travel and that changes, it's a a shift in attitude, right? Mm -hmm. When you think that you're fortunate to be in a place instead of that you deserve to be there. Then was talking a bit to the industry about just rethinking how do we how do we go about this business of travel? We've been in the offense position for so many years. Get more travelers, get more tourists, heads in beds, arrivals. Get those arrival numbers up, those top-line dollars. And it, it has worked. Mm-hmm. And it's worked too well mm-hmm. in many situations. So, you know, we hit the topic of over-tourism a little bit and had to just really be honest that adventure travelers are now part of the, part of the problem of over-tourism, that there are many places being overrun and loved to death by tourists, by Mm -hmm. adventure tourists. And so how are we as an industry going to assert our leadership and do things right going forward? And, And that's where the encouragement was to think differently about how you market your product, how you market your destination. To the journalists, what kind of stories are you going to write? You know, I encourage journalists to really rethink the top 10 lists and the you know, the, the one beach you need to see before you die sort of thing, um, because that is fueling the phenomenon of overcrowding yep. in a lot of places. And then there's the issue of, of uh, climate change as well and how tourism, obviously, like any other activity, contributes to that. Mm-hmm. So it really was an encouragement for the, the four 
major players in the industry, which would be government, NGOs, business, and media, to really all start tackling this stuff together. Mm-hmm. So we might need to rethink how we market travel. Do we want to encourage that couple to do a quick three-day pop down to Ecuador and then do another trip to Mexico and then another trip to Canada? Or should we all start shifting more towards encouraging people, hey, travel once this year, fly right. one time and stay a long time. Yeah. Really get to know the locals, you know, buy local food, local local art and crafts and listen to the local music get to know nature in that region so how do we how do we just start shifting and none of these were prescriptive these were all just ideas to hopefully spur some thinking of how do we be leaders in the travel industry because i think adventure travel companies are incredibly innovative and entrepreneurial and so how do we harness that that superpower to really help travel become more responsible finally because mm-hmm. we're we're headed towards some really big cliffs mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like we are treating them with enough urgency well on on that point um i think a lot of what the travel industry has to, has been doing in the past and i think you alluded to this is it's been reactionary it's oh hey you only have you don't have that much time let's we'll we'll will bend our experience to your three-day trip versus what really should be three weeks or more. Um, and I think the, the challenge of what you're suggesting, and, and I'm all in favor of we got to jump into that challenge together, but we almost need to change our system here. So take the United States, for example. We're not fortunate to have to be the Netherlands where they prescript, you have to give your employees at least one month off in one in a row, mm-hmm. not even one month of vacation, but they, they get one, they have to take it all at once, which the, the, the benefit there is that then they have in, uh, systems within their companies that your job is to be the one that fills in for each person when they take their month off. So they have a system in place Versus here, you take off for two weeks and you feel like the world just blew up because before you go, everyone's freaking out. You get home, you've got more work to do than you ever imagined. And, and so people are barely even taking their two weeks off, let alone doing anything, you know, they're trying to, to get it all in. So I think what I hear from you is that not only do we need to change our industry, but we also need to, to be the role models and set the stage for the, the whole system to work within that, that realm. So that was, a, that was a statement. And now the question comes in and, and, you know, what are some strategies? And again, this is free form. I, I appreciate your perspective that you wanted to get this information out there. Now we've got a, the next several months to start formulating plans, but let's brainstorm a bit about what, what we can do. Sure. Well, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of problems that we all know about and I don't need to list them all. Right. And, and there are a lot of people in the industry going after these problems, really trying to solve them. But I think that, you know, two that really seem imminent and very threatening are climate change and overtourism. Mm-hmm. And in some weird way, they even feed off of each other to a certain degree. Right. Or, or at least interact with each other. And so I think immediately starting to attack the overtourism problem with things like dispersal. So instead mm-hmm. of 
um, pushing everybody to see that one iconic thing in your destination, really start coming up with systems and plans to get people out into different places. But that, you know, that raises its own challenges of sustainability and carrying capacity in, in more fragile, more remote places. So mm. that's why this really is a much longer conversation because it's, it's going to be complicated and hard in many ways. Um, so I think, you know, dispersal can really seriously considering coming up with a, a carbon capture program, which is something that is starting to become real. It, it, I think, you know, without being an expert on it, I think it's still fairly uh, costly, mm -hmm. um, but we're at the front edge of that. So how do we, as a, perhaps as the tourism industry or as the adventure tourism industry, step up and say, we're going we're gonna to tackle this directly? Mm -hmm. Well, here's a question for you, because I agree with you. This is, yeah, I, I'm, what I'm most excited here is just to get directly from you what I've been hearing from some of the other interviews and, and you did that perfectly. Um, and so, so again, without holding your feet to any fire, but last year at it, when we were in Salta in Argentina at the adventure travel world summit, once again, your closing speech was exactly what we needed. It, it, you get, got up just to set the stage for people. You got up in front of the entire delegation from around the world and you pick up this plastic water bottle and and me i'm already cringing it's like god shannon why are you drinking out of a plastic water bottle oh no uh <laughs> you had me from the second you got up there and then you were drinking <laughs> and then i started getting wait a second and then when you crumpled it up and threw it off to the side you're like that was pretty gross wasn't it and i was like yes uh, and so this entire year, the Adventure Travel Trade Association and, and many of your allies have been focusing on how do we reduce the use of plastic, single-use plastic in our industry. So, mm -hmm. again, I, I admire your closing speech coming up with saying uh, something that our industry needs to do. And then your, your organization, which is, you know, you, you're an influential person, but you're also – you, you, you look inside yourself. So what exactly, uh, give, me, give me a few ideas of what you're going to do uh, from the ATTA side this next year. What are some of the initiatives that, that we can look forward to and that we should be supporting? Well, we're, we're making sure we're cleaning up our own house, of course. So our summit was uh, fully carbon neutral this year, including everyone's travel uh, to it and from it. And our commitment is to get all of our events carbon neutral within, the, uh, within a fairly short period of time. So car being carbon neutral is a good start. It doesn't, it doesn't heal the wound. Um, and that's where we're going to be actively looking into this carbon capture idea and, uh, and some sort of opportunity to maybe bring that to the space. I think also the, the, whole, uh, the whole Adventure Travel Conservation Fund we will just continue to pour more energy into that because that is a way for people to make a difference, uh, people in the travel industry. And, and hopefully soon we're going to be able to allow travelers to actually contribute to it mm -hmm. as well. That's great. So those would be a couple of things that I can say that we will definitely be doing. Um, we're definitely having conversations around other possibilities too. And then we're just letting this philosophy start, sort of seep into who we are and how we act. So, for example, we're working with Peru 
and doing an adventure week in 2019 in April and where we're bringing buyers and media to go tour um, important parts of Peru and guess where we're not going? Machu Picchu. We're not going to Machu Picchu, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think as, as we start to just, as a community, start to think differently, start to think in these sorts of ways, we can have a really positive impact on the places that we're going. That's fantastic. Well, Shannon, I, I want to thank you for taking a little bit of time here to kind of wrap up this podcast for me after hearing from several folks attending the conference and, and hearing that they were inspired by your words. I wanted to just allow you to the, the opportunity to speak for yourself and, and um, share your message with the community, uh, not just the travel industry, but entrepreneurs around the globe. So thank you so much, and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. You can cough. You can say, fuck, and then I'll edit that up. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Yeah. And you can always repeat something. I do the full on like I, I pull out ums and uh, I mean J- James is like all like um hey oh you know it's like all these like Canadian things that he says so I had to edit all that out